Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. In order to do that, we read through the book of Concord, that book that contains our Lutheran confessions, the faithful teachings of what Scripture teaches us that have stood the test of time, remain faithful and true, and we go through it with our captivating cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians, Layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager of for the LCMS <laughs> of... Yeah, you're for the LCMS. Yeah, that's it, for the LCMS, since we're just throwing adjectives in right. here and everything. And then we Willy also nilly, have... in fact. Willy-nilly, yes, I, I did use that. On, on this somewhat less captivating cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians, now that we're completely derailed, <laughs> we also have Pastor Peter Ill, who is the pastor of Trinity in Milstadt, Illinois. I try to get my German Mühlstadt yes. in there. And then we also have Pastor Timothy Apple, who's the pastor of Grace in Smithville, Texas. And then I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith. I serve a dual parish in Southern Illinois, Emmanuel and St. Paul's down there. All right. So today we are going to just very briefly touch, and I'm, I'm actually going to wield the hammer on this and make sure that we only briefly touch Whoa. what we covered last time, uh, the the. Um, small called articles is what we're working through here. And uh, we started them, set up the small called articles, kind of gave some brief history, took a look at the uh, introduction uh, that we have available in the reader's edition and was written by Luther himself, or the preface rather, not the introduction. And then we also took a look at the first part, the awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring articles on the divine majesty. That's a fancy way of saying the creed, This, which the church's always confessed about who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, and and we uh, will re- briefly wrap that up. Then we're going to move into the second part today uh, and really spend the bulk of our show on that, taking a look at the articles that refer to the office and work of Jesus Christ that is our redemption, which in my language would just be uh, a fancy way of saying the second article of the creed, as we learn it in the small catechism, we're going to look at Jesus. All right. And uh, beginning with that chief article, which we spent over a year on in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that article of our Christian faith known as justification. But we'll we'll spend the bulk of that on that today. But uh, just to kind of get us started and rolling here, uh, Pastor Hill, I, I know that you uh, had some thoughts that you wanted to definitely wrap up from that awe-inspiring articles. And then I'm going to probably throw it over to Pastor Apple to give us a transition into the second part here. Excellent. Thanks. I know that last week we talked a bit about how uh, just that title of the awe-inspiring articles of the Divine Majesty, uh, it seems a little bit flowery, and it might be one of those things that we try to roll past kind of fast. But here in the first part, all of the things that are said... uh, if, if it's okay, I'd love, I'd love to read these and just get them back in our mind. There are uh, four main points here. 
One, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons in one divine essence and nature, are one God who has created heaven and earth. Two, the Father is begotten of no one. The Son is begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Three, neither the Father nor the Holy Spirit, but the Son became man. And four, the Son became man in this manner. He was conceived without the cooperation of man by the Holy Spirit, and was born of the pure, holy Virgin Mary. Afterward he suffered, died, and was buried, descended to hell, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of God, and will come to judge the quick and the dead, and so on, as the Apostles and Athanasians' Creed and our children's catechism teach. Concerning these articles, there is no argument or dispute. Both sides confess them. Therefore, it is not necessary now to discuss them further. While, thankfully, those articles were agreed to by uh, the Smaltkald League and the uh, those of the Roman Catholic Church, these are born out of disagreement in the Church and while putting these positively and only saying what we do teach, they actually reject a number of very dangerous false teachings. And they they very quickly and briefly say, hey, we agree to teach these things, and we agree to reject everything that that's not taught here. That outside of this, we, we recognize some really scary stuff. Um, and we just set all that aside in order that we can hash out the things that we are definitely working on together. Yeah, so in that sense, would you say that, and, and I kind of made a note that we'll talk about this later when we get into this chief article, but um, I, I would call that kind of a diagnostic tool. You know, how, how do you diagnose what it is that you believe and and this, you know, how, how do you diagnose other things that you hear that uh, are not in agreement with that, and, and it becomes kind of a diagnostic tool to, to, to figure out error and, and identify error. Creeds and confessional statements a lot of times work like uh, the, those painted lines on a gym floor that keep basketball players, say, inbound, or the white chalk lines that show you what's fair territory in a baseball game and what's foul territory. And in the first part, it sets kind of the outer limits of this is fair territory, uh, everything within these bounds that confesses the triune God, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is begotten of the Father before the beginning of the world, and was present with God the Father at creation, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son together, that Jesus was conceived and born, suffered and died and rose, all of this is fair territory. If you confess this, you're a Christian. If you go outside of this, though, and if you color outside of those lines, it it introduces some confusion because there is some scary stuff uh, that lies um, near those corners. And we do want to be careful about that. And so we want to stay within these lines of, of fair territory, if I can put it that way. That's a, that's a good image. Really helpful, I think, too. Uh, and it makes me think, I, I said I was going to throw it to Pastor Apple and we'd move on quickly from this. However, <laughs> as, as we were coming into the studio, Layman Slayton, you and I were kind of briefly talking about this and saying that, you know, at, at this time, uh, the, the writing of the small called articles, 
we, we kind of took for granted that we were in agreement. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, they even say as much here. We're in agreement. There's no there's no disagreement on the Trinity and and that being the basis of, mm-hmm. of where we're beginning to work here. And, and you made the comment that was a little thought provoking for me, and I don't have it all flushed out yet, that uh, maybe maybe that's not quite the case among Christianity still yet today. What what are some of those errors? What are those things that are outside the bounds that, that are foul territory yeah, uh, when I, it comes to this article today? Or maybe a better way to say it, those who would claim the name Christian. Um, because as Pastor Il just said, look, if you're not within these lines, you're, you're not a Christian. I think the, the way I was thinking through this, I'm looking at the way in which the small called articles are organized, how, how they lay out their argument. It's the same very similar organization in the Apology to the Augsburg Confession and the Augsburg Confession itself, where it just kind of starts with, here's who God is, here's who Jesus is, you have original sin, all those things. But you start with this idea of here's the things we agree on, and then as you keep moving, there's a bunch of things you don't agree on and where there where there is a difference. And what's interesting is I think today, well, as we'll talk later about the diagnostic tool being justification, and as Lutherans... We, we we very quickly and readily and rightly go to justification as like, this is the chief article. This is what it all hinges on. And so when we're having discussions with other Christians, we're very quick to go straight to that. But the problem I think that we encounter, and maybe, uh, maybe we become aware of it a little too slowly, is that if you don't actually agree on who Jesus is, much less who God is, all your talk about justification isn't actually going to go anywhere because if you don't agree upon who Jesus is, you can't actually get to justification. Uh, for another way of saying that is if you get Jesus right, justification is going to naturally follow. That's just how it works. So I'm wondering if today in our context, some of these, well, yeah, we all agree on this, statements, are that's not actually the context in which we live. Anybody who has a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness visit their door um, they would claim the name Christian, and yet they believe Jesus is a very different person, being, essence, whatever, than what Christianity actually confesses. I mean, that's that's probably one of the most readily available examples we're going to have. Uh, namely, the uh, those those bodies of faith, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, mm-hmm. that is the Mormons and the Jehovah's yep. Witnesses, both would uh, take exception with. Uh, the small called articles part one section two uh where it says that the father is begotten of no one the son is begotten of the father the holy spirit proceeds from the father and the son uh, they would say no we we wouldn't actually talk about that we would we would in fact say that jesus is the is a son of god or is a greater son of god than than other sons of god but they wouldn't speak in such exclusive language about the son and would be would be outside the lines of this confession of faith and i don't say that in order to be snotty or to be rude uh, but rather simply to say that these are really specific claims that we're making here and if we're going to say we're on the same page, it's careful that we actually uh, fully plumb the depths of of these words and say, if we're going to say that Jesus is the Son of God, begotten from before the beginning and before the creation, and is uh, and from the Father and the Son together precedes the Holy Spirit, though those are really big words and really important words. I would say even in point one, we're we're in disagreement. One divine essence and nature. 
they're right there at the very basic. There's there's disagreement. I think my my larger point in this isn't a hey, let's point out how these other ones are wrong and focus on that. No, it's a matter of recognizing the small called articles are organized. It, the argument is organized in a very different way than perhaps we would approach this discussion with somebody else today because we have different issues. Our, our context is different. We're, we're going to have to uh, talk about things differently and address some things before we might you know, naturally want to address them. Yeah, I, I think you're making a really helpful point and saying especially I like how you both highlighted we're not just pointing out error for the sake of pointing out error. Yeah. Uh, and, and to give kind of a practical example of that, I remember my, my first ministry in Indiana, Evansville, Indiana, there was actually a pretty good Mormon population, Church of Latter-day, uh, Church of Jesus Christ. They even claim his name as part of their title, right? Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And noticed a lot of the, especially high school girls, uh, started dating uh, boys uh, who were in that church body and and were just kind of you know, taken with the whole, well, yeah, they, they agree on Jesus too. And, and they had kind of maybe wrong understandings that maybe we needed to do a better job. And, and we sought to do in teaching them about their own faith of who Jesus is and, and what scripture actually claims about him as being God, right? Not just some good moral example, because that idea is out there too, which kind of draws me to, and we can talk more about this as we actually get into that second part then talking about Jesus and how it plays out in justification and things like that. But it reminds me of uh, someone we all know, Pastor Matt Richard. He wrote a book uh, that's available through CPH. Is it 12 False Christs? Yes. Will the Real Jesus Stand Up is, is yeah. the title of the book. And it's 12 False Christs. And uh, he identifies several in there. And, you know, there's the Jesus that gives me bling and the Jesus, you know, the good moral <laughs> teacher and things of that nature. And, you know, all of them deny his divinity. It denies this, you know, that which we have agreement. And we see that even in denominations that may not deny it in their works, um, but a, a large group of people within different denominations, and at times even in the LCMS, as I highlighted with my own example, can fall into this. Mm -hmm. um, we we got to be clear on who the Trinity is in its entirety. Because as I also you know, you noted there in point two of that um, that it would it would uh, have us in disagreement with them on Jesus, but and and we could do a whole show on this. But there's also the point in there that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son um, that would distance us theologically from the Eastern Orthodox Church. Might even um, cause a great schism, if you will. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. kind of how they came to came to be was a disagreement over this. Mm -hmm. A historical note for our listeners. Yeah. Yes. In the year 1054, there was what is called the Great Schism or the Great Divide between the Western Church based in Rome and the Eastern Church in uh, Constantinople. And so if you're familiar with the Eastern Orthodox churches like the Greek Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox or the Serbian Orthodox, uh, it was in the year 1054 that they were uh, officially... Uh, that there was an official separation between the Eastern Church and the Western, that is the Roman Church. And the yeah. proceeds from the Father and the Son is one of the issues. Yeah. Specific, specifically the and the Son part. Wait, wait. Right. In the Latin, it would be the filioque, yeah. right? You know, that, uh, um, you know, the and the there Son. There goes Pastor there. Smith yeah. with his 50 cent words again. <laughs> 
50 cents. It's always cent. good to have those 50 cent words. Only 50 cents. Okay, yeah. okay. maybe that's, it's a $5 word these Latin. days. I, I mean, don't know. Come on, it that's is. worth yeah, we, a lot we can't, If we go anyway. into that, that's like three weeks but, worth of shows. Yeah. That's well, really... and, the, and there's other parts of the confessions <laughs> that as we continue to work through the Book of Concord and have, have looked at as well that would look yeah. at that more specifically. But it's good to highlight these things. And you can certainly check out the archived episodes and continue listening. We'll, we'll get back to these things. These things continue to be talked about. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I did want to highlight this where we, we just kind of lay that foundation. And then because we haven't heard from the great wisdom of our, <laughs> our dear brother, the Bishop of Texas or the South or whatever he calls himself, Pastor Apple, go ahead and transition us then set up for how does this first part, essentially our creed, uh, tie in then to what we're going to look at here today uh, for the remainder of our time with the second part, specifically in terms of the chief article. I think the transition that gets made here does, it actually ties into what we've been talking about so far that, that in this first part, Jesus really is at the center and, and the, the teaching concerning the Holy Trinity is even used here by Luther to get to the teaching concerning Jesus because Jesus is true God and true man, which is what we confess here at the end of the first part. I mean, that, that's tied very directly into what, what he says about the Trinity in the first part. And so I, I mean, I, I think, I think the conversation that we were having there concerning you know, how do we witness to Jehovah's Witnesses and to Mormons is, is very important that, that we do start with Jesus. And I think that, that Luther is doing that here, even in the first part. And the way he then makes the transition to the second part is by talking about Jesus. In the first part, he talks about the what. What did Jesus do? And he uses the language of, of the creed. He was conceived, he was born, he suffered, died, was buried, descended into hell, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, will come again. That's the what of Jesus. That's what he has done. In the second part, the move that Luther makes is to go to the why. Why did Jesus do this? He was born for you. He died for you. He was raised for you. Everything that Jesus did, the what, was done for the reason, the why, of saving you sinners, us sinners, completely by his grace so that we might have forgiveness and life and, and justification, that we might be made right with God as a free gift from him, and we receive that now through faith. So the transition from the first part to the second part is the what has Jesus done to the why has Jesus done it. I, I think that's really helpful. And and I actually, I know you love to go to the catechism. Is it is it wrong for me to think, you know, the, the what and then the what does this mean? Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably part of it. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the I, I think of the idea of, you know, the when it comes to faith, that what is what is faith or what is saving faith it's it's not just an, a historical knowledge of the what but it is a trust in the in the why right so the i mean to to go through the catechism to take the second article this is what jesus done, has done for me and now in the third article the holy spirit gives it to me right um so that the the what and now the, the it's the for you of the gospel which is which is such a that's where the comfort is that that it's not that Jesus just did this, you know, so long ago, and it's a historical fact. It's that he did this for you, for me, to save us. So I wonder, I had a thought as, as you were sharing there, Pastor Apple, because, yeah, I, I, I'm seeing it more and more now. Yeah, Luther totally went 
to Christ. And I'm wondering if as we go through the small called articles, if something we can do is be intentional about pointing to this chief article. So as we're going through the different articles, say, okay, if, if this is an error in the church, what in that chief article got messed up? What was wrong that led to this erroneous view of whatever whatever it is we've got going on here? Because I'm willing to bet wherever they went wrong, it probably has something to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. As as Luther is getting us straight to that very quickly, um, I don't know if if we can remember to do that. I'm going to try and do that. Well, it might be helpful. <laughs> and, and I made some notes. Um, I had some time because I have a, um, you know, lack of sleep sometimes that it hits me in bursts. And so I, I, I stayed Newborns up last night. Newborns will do that to us. Well, actually, I, I, he wasn't, it wasn't even his fault last <laughs> night, but I just stayed up. And uh, um, I, so I was looking ahead and so forth. And, and we're going to be helped out in this, actually, because, and I have my notes here, uh, you know, so for instance, in the mass and monasticism and of the papacy articles that, mm-hmm. that show up here in the small card small called articles he specifically references a tie to the chief article oh, as, to, as to being part of the 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 downfall or, or the, yeah. the error there that's that's what i'm looking for not downfall uh and so we'll be helped out there and then there's some uh implicit examples as well um so in part three um there's three parts to the small called articles as we said article one of part three um when when we uh speak of uh christ or, or rather um uh yeah. When, when we speak of sin, that is, it, he says that it's an ignorance of Christ, our Savior, contributes to this poor understanding mm-hmm. of sin. So I, I'd say that's rather like an implicit reference yeah. back to this article. And so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, this has been a helpful development and setup as as we'll, we'll read it here in a second. But, uh, you know... Uh, the the foundation of the creed and what we confess in terms of the trinity and so forth sets up this this mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about on these articles of Jesus and his redemption the the why as pastor apple uh, laid out there for us and so forth and and then we're also going to see these errors and these places of disagreement between us and Rome and so it's going to continue to build on each other so as yeah. as this builds on that that fir- that first part um then i would say the rest of the small called articles as i was looking through it last night mm-hmm. uh really kind of hit me for the first time they they all build upon this idea that that he said yeah. and it's it's just a bit of genius <laughs> in how he you know i i don't know that we we use such logic in in a formation of our arguments anymore well and as, as we're talking through this i think there are two reasons why i think this is helpful for for me and for our listeners as well and then probably you guys as well the first one is we talk about all theology being Christology, that all theology has its its center, its source in Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, as Lutherans, that's something that, that you'll hear, you know, as you hang around Lutherans, they'll, they'll say that. So this helps us very practically actually demonstrate that. And the second thing I think is, in doing that, we'll also be able to show, well, why this matters. Why do we even care about the small called articles? Why do we even care about talking about theology in this way? Why do these issues even make a difference for me as a layperson here in 2019? Who cares? Well, I think this also addresses that second part of, well, look, if it's all about Jesus and who he is as a Christian, that's actually something that I should care about and place some importance on working through. 
All right. We're going to go ahead and jump to break here a little early. Rather than read it and then have to go to break right immediately afterwards, um, we've done a good job setting up and getting there. But immediately after the break, come right on back because we'll go ahead and read this uh, second part, Article 1, the chief article, and uh, and then discuss it in more in depth for the rest of the show. So come right on back after this break. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for... Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. During the season of Lent, Worldwide KFUO will be broadcasting live Lenten worship services from Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis each Wednesday morning at 11 on AM850 and KFUO.org. Observe the season of repentance, renewal, and forgiveness alongside KFUO and the members and pastors of Peace Lutheran Church. That's each Wednesday morning at 11 during Lent on Worldwide KFUO. We're the messengers of good news. I'm Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news. AM850 in St. Louis, worldwide at KFUO.org. Children, I exhort you to withhold the hand of friendship to Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, Charlotte Bronte's first book in 1847, is the story of an impoverished young girl and the harsh treatment she endured for most of her life, a story with similarities to Bronte's own. It became a controversial look at the treatment of women, but an immediate success with the public and now a literary classic. There are more than a dozen references to the Bible in her novel, from Genesis and a reference to Lot's wife, to the book of Joshua and God's judgment. In an imaginary conversation with her spiteful aunt, Jane admits she should forgive her, for you knew not what you did. An unmistakable reference to Jesus' words on the cross in Luke 23, 34. Engage with the Bible and its influence in every sphere. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And- 
And welcome back to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our Lutheran confessions, and we continue to make our way working through the small called articles with our captivating cohort of Christ confessing Concordians, layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Peter Hill, Pastor Timothy Apple, and myself, Pastor Sean Smith. And we are picking up here. We, we've set up in the first half of the show uh, the, the first part, the awe-inspiring articles of the Divine Majesty, talking about the Trinity, why that's important, relevant uh, for understanding it, and then also seeing the, um, as Pastor Apple put it really quite well, that's the what of our Christian faith, especially in terms of what Jesus uh, did. And then we're going to transition here into the second part, especially Article 1, the chief article, uh, what we know as the the article of justification in terms of the theology speak. Um, And that, that, uh, as Pastor Apple again really set up well for us, is is the why. Uh, Why did Jesus do the what, in essence? And so we're just going to go ahead and jump in and read it then, and then we'll uh, really discuss this real in depth uh, for the rest of the show. So this is, uh, we're reading from the uh, uh, Concordia Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord, the Lutheran Confessions, available from CPH, and we are picking up small card articles, the second part, Article 1, the chief article. The first and chief article is this. Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, died for our sins and was raised again for our justification, citing Romans 4, verse 24 through 25. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, citing John 1, 29. And God has laid upon him the iniquities of us all, citing Isaiah 53, 6. All have sinned and are justified freely without their own works or merits by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus in his blood, citing Romans three twenty three through 25. This is necessary to believe. This cannot be otherwise acquired or grasped by any work, law, or merit. Therefore, it is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us, as St. Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, citing Romans three twenty eight, that he might be just and the justifier of all who has faith in Jesus, citing Romans 3.26. Nothing of this article can be yielded or surrendered, even though heaven and earth and everything else falls, as it says in Mark 13.31. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, citing Acts 4.12. And with his stripes we are healed, citing Isaiah 53.5. Upon this article, everything that we teach and practice depends in opposition to the Pope, the devil, and the whole world. Therefore, we must be certain and not doubt this doctrine. Otherwise, all is lost, and the Pope, the devil, and all adversaries win the victory and the right over us. Ah, uh, this is this is just straightforward talk, Luther at his best. Pastor Apple, I'm going to throw it to you first. Go ahead and take us in a direction here. How do we want to dig into this article? One of the things that stands out, right away, I think, is is just how centered this article is in God's Word. I mean, as you were reading, you know, citing this passage and that passage, and, and when you read it, I mean, Luther is basically just stringing together one Bible passage after another in such beautiful fashion to show how clearly the Scriptures teach that we are saved by God's grace through His gift of faith, all because of what has Christ has done. And and the way that he just 
puts one Bible passage after the the next is is very refreshing to see just how how he's got it on the tip of his tongue and, and can can put them together so wonderfully and it's so comforting too to see how uh, this central teaching of the Christian faith is founded on scripture so solidly this isn't something that's been made up by Luther because he wanted to pick a fight with the church of his day. This is something that he read scripture and saw that it taught so clearly, and, and now he's teaching it and confessing it so wonderfully, um, and so so refreshing and comforting just to, to watch him put these scripture passages together for us and say, this is the good news, and it's all for you. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, and it's actually um, based on a note that you made before we were on air um, that... Uh, um, that this is refreshing to see this. And yet it, it's at the same time, it's always there as you go through the book of Concord. Scripture is just cited all over the place. I remember uh, teaching through the, the book of Concord in the parish uh, again when I was in Evansville, Indiana, and I had a layman just say, you know, isn't it just great that in the Lutheran confessions, this kind of mystical grouping of documents that uh, most Lutheran lay people are not even aware of, um, you get you get into it, and it's really just citing Scripture all over the place. And I said, "You're right. It is great, isn't it? That it's not hard to be a Lutheran. We just go to Scripture, uh, and and it's not just you know our opinions and thoughts that uh, we we have here in the the." Uh, Book of Concord, which is why it stood the test of time to be faithful and true. And so it is quite refreshing. That's why I highlight it. I don't always, when I read through, uh, and I know that not all of our listeners are able to uh, to read along as we are. And so maybe it's uh, better that, that we actually highlight it. But it was based on your note that I wanted to definitely highlight every single scripture passage here that's in parentheses or brackets, uh, just to make that point. I, I think that's a, a, an excellent point to to take us in in that direction as well. I'm going to push us to another question here too. And actually I'm going to throw it back to you because we kind of cut you out for most of the first half of the show. Um, so you'll get a little more talking time here in the second half, but uh, pastor Apple, how then does this answer that question of the what? Well, I, I think we're in the why, right? Uh, that's what I meant. The why. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I confused, confused myself. How? I even wrote the, the why. <laughs> the, one of those questions, who, hair, why, yeah, I don't know. Where are the we why. Again? How does this answer the question of the why? I'll try to be a better host and, and ask better questions. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, there in the first paragraph, you know, he, he references the, the what. Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, he died and he was raised. But then he, he gives you the why, right? He died for our sins. Christ's death is uh, the payment that that gives us God's forgiveness, right? Christ took our sins upon himself. I mean, here I'm just going with Luther, right? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. So so in his death, in that what, the, the why was our sins had been placed upon him. He was paying the price for our forgiveness. And then another what, he was raised. Why? For our justification, to give us um this, this right standing before God once again, that, that now when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins. He sees the, the robe of Christ's righteousness that has, has covered us. And so the, the why is Christ did all that he did in order to give salvation to us freely by his grace. It's a gift that we might receive it in faith. Um, and that's, we receive it in faith because that's how you receive a gift. Someone gives you a gift and you say, thank you. That That's what faith is. It's that receiving of a gift. So the why is saved by grace through faith on account of Christ. 
Yeah, and, and and then I think there's there's maybe a struggle here too um, that we can highlight for our listeners, and 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 maybe isn't so much an issue for our listeners um, that generally those who listen to the show are pretty well grounded in their faith as it is, but but maybe. Um, you know, maybe there's some assumptions here, and this might speak to some of the structure and, and having our inner, uh, you know, or our, just our conversations with anybody in life. Sure. Um, that there's there's this assumption here, you know, taking the basis of Scripture, Romans three twenty three through twenty five says, "For all have sinned and uh, fallen short of the glory of God." Right, and and he cites that here, all have sinned and are justified freely. Um, we kind of take that for granted, and, and perhaps maybe the listeners listening and just say. Well, I don't know that I am a sinner, so this doesn't actually answer the why because I'm not quite on that page yet. I want to give a little hope here in that if you keep coming back, as I already cited, in, in Part 3, Article 1, that specifically looks, looks at sin and lays yeah. lays kind of the foundation of, you know, how, how do we uh, describe that? Of course, we covered that in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession and other aspects of this show as we've worked through the Book of Concord now uh, for, for several years. Um that uh you know we'll we'll certainly be talking about that uh and we'll be coming back to that so so don't lose hope if, if you're not quite on board here or if uh those who you're working with or talking with and, and wanting to to help them understand their faith a little more aren't quite there um but uh i do think that it's important to point out the structure here of he's building an argument and, and i always say it like this you have the whole body of doctrine you know like it's just like this big ball in the air in <laughs> essence right uh or, or, or it's a big roundabout. That's actually the way I like to describe it. It's a big roundabout. And there's several roundabout. ways that you can get into there, right? In the United States, we call those a traffic circle. Roundabout. Okay. I've just made a cultural <clears throat> reference that almost nobody's going to get. So, All right. Yeah. It was awesome, though. Thanks for derailing. No, but there's uh, there, there's great uh, there there there's many entrances into that right, and so if you have kind of your body of doctrine at the center there, uh, there's different ways we can get in there and talk about it. And this this is kind of the traditional Lutheran move is to just start with justification, right? And, and so I'm going to throw it back to you here well, in, I, in a second, uh, Layman Slayton. But but you know, so this is where Luther's starting because of the context at the time, right? Uh, but this is how he enters in, and he's going to talk about all those other things. So so keep coming back. And and we'll we'll discuss those as well as they come up. Um, but uh, but talk about. I, I was going to say this might actually be the the opposite of the standard Lutheran move because we usually move to law first and then gospel, and in a way we're kind of getting the gospel straight up front, and then we're going to move in to the other. So the Augsburg Confession, you have God Article One, Original Sin Article Two, and then you get Jesus. Here. We've gone from God to Jesus. Sin is mentioned, but we have, like you said, we're not going to get that until part three. So it, it's it, it's almost like it could be more confusing for somebody who's really been following along, you know, as as a good Lutheran. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, are we talking about the gospel first? Are we allowed to do that? And here's Luther saying. Yes, we can talk about Jesus first. That's actually okay for us to do that. It's a good thing. So I actually appreciate that. And I'm as we're the further we're going into this, I'm kind of backtracking on my initial assertion that on the structure of this and saying, you know what? I think he actually is fully and completely starting with Jesus, and we're going to work our way out from there, which is actually how I like to do things. <laughs> so it's like, ooh, I knew there was a reason I like the small called articles. When Jesus speaks and where Jesus is, law and gospel both follow. Yeah. Jesus, the fact that Jesus is the Savior comes with the implication that you need saving. 
and that you are a sinner. And at least for me, I know that's really hard to admit uh, that I need a savior because I would like to say that I don't have any imperfections. But anybody who knows me knows that that's far from true. So here comes Jesus to be my savior, for uh, to take my sins and with his resurrection for my justification. And that is a wonderful thing. From there indeed follows law to see the depth of my sin and mm-hmm. the fullness of Jesus's gospel. But wherever Jesus is, law and gospel are simply going to follow. Yeah, it's kind of the simple way that we talk about, I mean, Luther himself, and of course, my great theologian that I love to cite, CFW Walther, say, you know, it's a Who's fine that? art that's learned in the school of experience. And, yes. uh, um, you know, but but kind of the simple, basic explanation of law and gospel and distinguishing it, right, is is you take a look at the situation in the context, right? And, and um, you know, it's not like you try to control it or anything of that nature. And we don't want to go off on a whole law gospel tangent here either. <laughs> I think we there's need an to article about article. that later. Yeah. Right. Uh, definitely. But, uh, you know, in, in this sense, you know, I, I do think, you know, you take evaluation of the context. So in, in distinguishing law gospel and, and so forth, when you have someone who's clearly been beat up by the law and, and is and recognizes their sin and is just worn down and everything, you don't hit them with more law and tell them how much worse a sinner they are. Right. You, you speak gospel to them. And, 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 and conversely, when you encounter the one who maybe doesn't agree, I don't think I'm a sinner. I think I'm a pretty good person. Well, then you're going to work with the 10 commandments, right? And help them see their sin and so forth. And so I think that speaks to the context here is that in the context of where Luther is writing in the situation that he's addressing, right? Uh, what, what was going on in the church? They were doing a whole lot of law, right? And, and they had a lot of terrified consciences, as we've talked about multiple times as we go through the Book of Concord. Uh, the, the whole point of the Reformation was really a comfort for consciences. And so he, he makes this gospel move here, which I don't know, I, I do still think that this is kind of a classic Luther move is to just kind of talk about that. You well, know. So what I'm wondering now is if maybe me trying to figure out what what is gospel and what is law in this context really isn't the right approach to it at all. But simply, here's Luther proclaiming who Christ is. Depending on where you're at, you will hear that you'll hear the law side of it, or you'll hear the gospel side of it, which is really how it very most often works, anyways. And right. me trying to like draw hard lines between the two is actually not helpful at all because now. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't, as, I don't as think Pastor it's Pastor Apple said, the Holy Spirit's going to do the work, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so, uh, yeah, this is our classic case as pastors. <laughs> I stand up there and preach, you know, in the pulpit. And, you know, I may have in mind one, one way of which I'm saying something. And then someone comes up to me afterwards and they're like, wow, you were just, you know, preaching right at me. You nailed you? Like, me. Um, nope, that would have been the Holy Spirit. I'm not that good. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I do want to talk to at least the context here a little bit. Um, so I'm Again, we're kind of talking over Pastor Apple, and he's just, he, he needs to, you know, contribute yes. here. Uh, and so, uh, you know, talk, talk about the immediate context. Where, where is Luther addressing this here? What do you, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, the context of the small color articles or well, like? The, the context of this article in the time of the Reformation and really the post time. So, I, I mean, I think the, the context, this is, I mean, this is what it's all about, right? You think back to, to where Luther's been in terms of, of the Reformation, the, going back to the 95 Theses and the controversy with, with indulgences, and, and how 
how he comes to this realization that it's it's not about anything that I do that gives me forgiveness or, or earns me something from God. It's all about what Christ has done for me. And, and so everything in the Reformation has really centered on this this article. And and to go, you know, kind of what we were talking about, what's the move that he's making? You think about he's he's preparing this document for a, the possibility of a council. In the meantime, he's he thinks he might die, right? Where where's he going to go first in all of this? He's going to go to the the chief part of the Christian faith, the thing on which literally he will live or die, the the confession upon which he himself um, will be saved. This is where he's going to go right from the from the get go. And and in terms of the the council that that may or may not you know receive these articles, um, what do they need to hear most importantly? What did Christ do, and and again, why did he do it? And and that I mean, I think that's why we see this the centrality of this article from the very beginning and the the way that he lays it out so clearly with with scripture and and says you know so firmly that everything depends on this um this is what we have to have above all else i think you did a great job answering my uh uh, poorly formed question there. Uh, you you got to what I was I was uh, hoping you would bring out for us, and and for me it it, it transitions nicely uh, for us with with the last paragraph there. It says upon this article everything that we teach and practice depends. In opposition to the Pope, the devil, and the whole world, therefore we must be certain and not doubt this doctrine. And I think you, you highlighted that really well, especially you know we I think we mentioned last time this has sometimes been called the small called articles, uh, Luther's last will and testament. You know, it's it's literally what he he lives and dies upon, and what every Christian lives and dies upon, right? Uh, that this this confession of of who Christ is and and what he has done and and why he has done it uh, is for our salvation, and that that's literally the life of the Christian, right? I like what Pastor Apple you said about you know starting with the ninety five theses and going until now, but. You, you, you'll sometimes hear this talk of early Luther and later Luther and the development and his thought and everything. And um, I, I don't want to comment on all of that, but just this idea that if we're seeing him develop, he's getting better and better at talking about Jesus. <laughs> and I just I love to see that because, you know, in the in the in the 95 theses, there isn't a whole lot about. Well, I don't know if there's much about who Christ is. He's still grappling with the whole thing. And now here he is thinking he's about to die. And he's like, look, people, it's all about Jesus. And I'm just gonna give it to you right up front. So it's it's if there is a development in that, this is a very beautiful one to see as uh, him moving in that direction. Yeah, uh, moving moving on then too. I, I have another question here then to connected with the immediate context. And so it says there in that paragraph in paragraph five, uh, you know, upon this article, everything that we teach and practice depends in opposition to the Pope. So, so what specifically? And pa- Pastor L, I'm going to throw this to you here. Um, you know, what, what specifically is going on in the church that we're looking to address here um, with with this article? Especially in the 16th century, in the 1500s, but um, also officially speaking today, uh, the office of the papacy is set up to be the mediator through which forgiveness flows from Jesus through the Pope to uh, bishops and pastors, priests um, into the church. And so it uh, there's, there's the channels through which this grace flows and what Luther is saying is if there's anything getting between me and Jesus, between the Christian and Jesus, uh, we need to be really careful about that. And uh, 
to move out of the 16th century and into the 21st. In my own life, I would like to be able to tell Jesus that he should be kind and gracious and generous to me because of who I am. And I actually try to stick myself uh, between the Christian who receives Christ uh, with, as Pastor Apple said, that faith that simply receives a gift and says, thank you. I would rather say, no, 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 Jesus, there's a reason that you should love me. I, I need to do something. I need to contribute something. I need to show you that I'm acting in good faith and that I'm the right guy for you to have mercy on. And sticking ourselves or sticking any other office or person or rationale between us and Jesus gets us into really, really hot water really, really fast. And we definitely don't want to do that. And so here, uh, the, the chief article about who Jesus is simply reminds us, Jesus is the doer of our justification. And my role is simply to receive him, uh, to go from what we call Luther's last will and testament that he wrote in the 1530s, we then go on to hear when Luther later died, about 10 years later, his his recorded last words are, we are all beggars. This is true. And I think in these uh, last words of Luther, we have this very profound promise. Before God, we have no standing and no reason why he should be gracious to us, has nothing to do with... Uh, whatever office we might hold in the church, it has nothing to do with if we were good or bad or anything else. All that matters is that uh, we are a beggar upon whom our Lord Jesus Christ has had mercy. And that's all we can hang our hat on. Yeah, and, and we have, you know, lots of images that we use for this. You know, one I commonly use in teaching confirmation is that, uh, you know, you're, you're being crushed under a rock, you know, and, and someone comes along and, and is strong enough to, to save you from being killed or rather even resurrect you because you have been killed by this huge rock that fell on you. Um, and th yeah, that's definitely the way I tend to teach it more. And so, you know, this is uh, uh, the, the, the image then of what Jesus does in justification, right? Is that, you know, what, what can a dead man crushed under a rock do? Nothing, right? Uh, <laughs> he's completely dependent on someone else that is able to raise him from death and get the rock off him, right? Uh, and so there's lots of images and probably better ones than that, but I'm not as good with the images as some of our brother pastors are in, in conveying these thoughts. But uh, there, that that does convey this central idea here of of how you know Jesus rescues us and, and being the centrality of it and, and and how we enter into heaven essentially um is is because of what Jesus has done and so then that plays out into as I noted in the first half of the show uh something that I noted that you know as as he addresses all of these other areas of disagreement he's going to keep coming back to this because why are there these other areas of disagreement i mean the classic understanding of what the reformation was all about was the issues of indulgences right mm -hmm. but he doesn't even specifically highlight uh in the small called articles um although i mean it, there's articles on there and good works and so forth and that's an idea of good works is the the buying of indulgence and so forth but but it, it's it's a false comfort because it's something that i do that that contributes to why god lets my my uh you know ancestor out uh because i've i've paid for this many indulgences or whatever else well, it's may obvious be the that, situation it's obvious at this point that the indulgences are a symptom of something else 
and so he's dealing with the something else, something else. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I just really, you know, and, and again, I can highlight a few of these others too. You know, uh, uh, one that I also caught last night too, in, in part three, article three, he speaks on repentance and he says that repentance goes wrong when it includes no mention of Christ, you know? And, and so I, I, I always love that one because sometimes, you know, and Luther had this struggle too, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I see even attention myself, you know, of, you know, uh, I, I have to come repentant enough. Am I sincere and, enough? Yeah. And then, you know, I I realize I can't even repent right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our, our most listened to show last year our was my repenter is broken. Our repenter <laughs> yeah. is broken, right? And, and uh, I love how he highlights that, right? You know, when you eliminate Christ from repentance, you get repentance all wrong. You know, yeah. and and he just keeps coming back to this. And another one that I highlighted too was uh, uh, in part three, article thirteen. It uh, shows that the right relationship between faith and good works. So here, this this good works issue is approached by repeating what he has said here about justification that you know that that the proper relation there and again we covered like a whole year on this in the apology but we'll we'll hit it much more succinctly here in the small called articles of you know that there is no truly good work without Christ being at the center of our understanding of of good works and so it, it's just going to keep coming back and so it's important to have this foundational idea um, laid out here so that then we we can see why why are those errors um, how did you put it? Because you put it really well, Amos Layton. It's a symptom of a of a deeper issue. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's just a symptom yeah. of another issue. Yeah, yeah. It plays into that diagnostic language that I yeah. was trying to work in earlier in the show. This is really a, a good example of our method uh, going forward in the small called articles of being able to say, where is there an issue? And we can talk about something like the 95 Theses, uh, and we can end up saying, oh, ultimately the issue is that uh, the Christology and who Jesus is and what Jesus does, that understanding is compromised in the, 90, in, uh, in the indulgence controversy. It's compromised because I can contribute something to my salvation or to somebody else's salvation and to somebody else's peace in Christ. Well, if I can do at least some of it on my own, then why do I need Jesus? And it, it infringes on who Jesus is and what Jesus does. And so we are always returning to that idea of who is Jesus and what does Jesus do? If my faith isn't completely and totally in Jesus, then I'm, I'm headed in the wrong places. It's the gospel at the it heart is. of it, right? Absolutely. Uh, with just a couple minutes left here, I'm going to throw it to Pastor Apple. Transition us then to how, how is this still a relevant article of our Christian faith for us still today? How, how do we see this playing out in the church and our, our discussions still today? Or does it? it? It plays itself out everywhere. I mean, as we've said several times, that, that this being the chief article, it... it goes into everything else and and when we when we get this one you know when we convey the truth of this and all of its glory and and beauty and and goodness for us then then the rest of of our theology flows just so wonderfully um but where where we where we you know miss a point here or there or we as as pastor L was talking about where we try to claim something for our own merit then then other parts of our, our theology, you know, go awry. And and the beauty of this this article, this chief article, is that it is all about Christ, 
the what he's done and the why he's done it for you and for me, that that I, a poor, miserable sinner without any merit or worthiness, um, have received by God's grace through his gift of faith the most wondrous salvation um, for all eternity. Um, what, what a wonderful gift that we see in this chief article. And then as it flows into the rest of our theology, what, what joy is ours to to be um, to be Christ's and his alone. Wow. And and just with like 20 seconds left, you open up a whole can of worms that I just want to talk about now. <laughs> you know, you, you took us right there to the confession that we have at the beginning of our divine service. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, right? Uh, it, it's just, it's it's beautiful that everything that we do, our practice as, as uh, Lutheran Christians relates to our confession and, and what we believe relates to this article. It's, it's foundational. Uh, this doctrine has been our only hope. It's been the sinner's only hope for forever. From, from the beginning of Scripture to the end, you can see it all throughout that it proclaims it. How refreshing, as Pastor Apple said, that our Lutheran confession just cites Scripture and cites this and makes it clear that this message is Jesus for you. Let's get that message right, and then we'll continue to take a look at all the other articles that will flow forth. So... Thanks for stopping by today. Until next time, keep confessing, church.